Welcome to Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more, including our upcoming orienteering course, Know Where You Want to Go and How to Get There. The goal of orienteering is to empower each student to identify where their passion, interest, and occupation intersect. Explain the differences between work, career, and vocation, and how each contributes to the student's personal pathway. Teach students awareness and optimization of their own learning habits. Identify personal strengths and weaknesses using an array of assessment tools. Students will leave class with a personal pathway based on strengths, interests, passions, and giftings paired with real-world career exploration. Students will identify spheres of possibility with multiple viable paths to personal success and occupational well-being. Each student will complete a capstone project presenting a personal pathway of their own, showing interest zones, job opportunities, and a contingency plan of their own design. Group discussion, personal discovery, and dynamic assessment are components of the course. Orienteering. Life's too complicated to navigate by a sense of direction. Know where you want to go and how to get there. Equip your student to chart their own course. Prepare them with proven techniques and empower them to handle adversity. Without further ado, David and Lisa Neering of True North Homeschool Academy presenting Integrity, a soft skill. Hello, everybody. I'm back here again with my husband, Dr. David Neering. We are going to pick up on our conversation from the last podcast where we were talking about integrity and mental health, especially in terms of how it relates to parenting and education as we homeschool our kids. It's good to be back here again, Lisa. Glad you're here. (laughs) Okay, so the last podcast, we had talked about owning education with our kids and just the hard work and the soft skills it took to keep integrity in our relationships and how it has to start with us. We kind of connected them again at the old concept of virtues. Right. They used to talk about the 19th century and prior to that, Mm -hmm. early 20th century, those virtues that relate to character. And, and those actually do translate into what they call soft skills. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do we take the whole idea of being people of integrity, in some ways protect our mental health, because the house divided against itself can't really stand. stand. And so if we're divided against ourselves, we're not going to be really mentally integrated, right? We're going to be yeah, disintegrated people. Yeah, it's it, it makes it much more difficult to stand. So... It's important that we cultivate the integrity within ourselves. That's keeping our promises, telling truth intellectually, but that's also paying attention to those emotions that are happening within us, Mm -hmm. those behaviors that we're displaying, those behaviors that we do that we don't necessarily want to pay attention to and just kind of deny those feelings that we kind of brush under the rug. Again, one of the important practices of, of Sabbath, of spending time with God, meditating on the Lord is that idea of being aware of ourselves, aware of our emotions, aware of what's going on, and, and, and placing that before God so that we can become more integrated as people. In the same way, that's the reason why for years and years I've cultivated accountability groups and accountability partners, where we, we confess our sins one to another, we talk about what's going on, we talk about the things we're growing in, we talk about you know faith struggles, etc., that's how I continue to grow as a man. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, even a, a therapist has their own person they can go to for counsel of mm-hmm. one kind or another so that they can continue to grow. So, yes, we do have to continue to grow in our own sense of integrity. And it's when people don't pay attention to that that you see the first signs that they're going to get into trouble. You know, very commonly when you see pastors getting in trouble or leaders of various kinds they haven't been really honest and paying attention to themselves. Okay, so when I was talking to Rabbi Willicki, I just want to circle back and talk about the Sabbath for a minute because one of his points about Sabbath was 
the electronics are off. You spend a day together as a family. Right. And you don't have distractions. You just hang out together. And like we talked about then, quality time really takes quantity of some level. Absolutely. it's There has to be time. I mean, one of the things I had to learn early in our marriage was that if I'm going to be able to communicate with you, I have to take the time to take the time. I can't just, as a guy, come in, think I'm going to have a sort of conversation that I, as a guy, just really understand, obviously. And, of course, we're just going to get along well that way. That shorthand. Is not going to... Guys talk in shorthand. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's, 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 it, why can't, what's that old... Uh, why can't a woman be more like a man? What's that that old movie? <laughs> I don't like that movie necessarily. Yeah, actually, I know Rex Harrison is a great guy, but hey, um, my fair lady, my fair lady. Thank you. The the uh, we had to learn to take the time, and that's what Sabbath is all about. Right. And and while this is not about trying to force people or or put something on people that they're not prepared to take, by the same token, the Bible is there to teach us principles, and those principles of taking the time out from day-to-day life to spend time with God, to spend time with family, to spend time with self, to spend time even occasionally with friends, that's really important that you lose that time pressure. Mm -hmm. And, And it's understood that the whole purpose of this is to enter a different rhythm of living. And the whole so, purpose of Sabbath. Of Sabbath. You know, and again, the whole concept, you've heard of the term sabbatical, mm-hmm. where a an academician will take some time to do something different during that time to really focus and get it done. I mean, that idea of Sabbath really is a gift. And, and the thing is, each individual person really has to think about what they're going to do to incorporate that into their lives. I mean, in the 19th century, you know, Sabbath on Sunday was a common practice among Christians. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was a big deal. I mean, read Laura Ingalls Wilder. I don't know. It's Farmer Boy. Farmer Boy, thank section, you. Yeah. yeah, right. And that was actually a part of things. Or a at vignette, that time. I guess. A whole vignette on it. Yeah, certainly. And yeah. and that's and that was normal at that time. Right. I mean, you know, that blue laws reflect that Sabbath observance right. to, to some degree. I always thought it was because the parents were just exhausted after church. They, they just slept sitting up, really, is what Sabbath was about. Because <laughs> uh, they were working like crazy. Well, hey, the Nazarene nap, right? Right, the Nazarene nap. Oh, man, I missed that. <laughs> right. <laughs> So really, integrity within a family requires a couple things. It requires being honest with yourself and each other, telling the truth, doing what you say you're going to do, following up, showing up, and spending quality time together. Right. So I just want to throw out something that, you know, everybody has blind spots. And we've been married for 33 years. And believe me, we both know each other's blind spots, like the back of our hand, the old Tim Hawkins sketch. Do I know the back of my hand? I don't know. But yeah. If you're married for any length of time, you're probably really aware of your spouse's blind spots and maybe not so much your own. Well, that's what marriage is for, right? But I mean, it happens in families too. You know your kids' blind spots and they certainly know yours, especially if you homeschool because there's that old joke like, my kids know all my best qualities. And guess what? If your kids are home with you all the time, they know all your worst ones too. (laughs) So how do we live with integrity as we're living with fallen people? who no matter how committed they are to living lives of integrity and living by the book and being people of the book, they're still fallen people. And they're probably not even aware of certain areas where they really stink at relationships or stink in communication, or there's some big flaw they have and they might not even be aware of it. Well, that's where our most pernicious flaws are, the ones we're not aware of. I mean, that's why it talks about in Ephesians 5, just before that whole section on family relationships, It talks about submitting yourselves one to another. When I 
trust you to tell me the truth and to keep your promises. I'm going to submit my perceptions and understanding to yours for at least the amount of time it takes to take in your perspective, your understanding, and to realize you have my good at heart. That doesn't mean I have to take, I have to agree with everything that you say. It doesn't mean I have to just comply with everything you says, but I do have to submit your, myself to your perspective and your understanding at least long enough to really take that in and soak on it. In light of that, I'm going to tell you my truth, which is almost antithetical to what you just said. If we trust each other and I trust your heart towards me, it's not necessarily going to be about my truth. Right. It's going to be about this bigger, transcendent concept of God's working in both of us and our family to bring us towards holiness. Right. And that's going to require some sacrifice on a cross. Mm -hmm. We have to take up some crosses. Right. We don't like to hear that. Right. But you hear a lot of, of rhetoric and verbiage right now about, I need to tell my truth. Well, if I have your best interest in heart, my truth might not be really helpful to our relationship, right? Right, but your perspective... sometimes I just want to tell you off, let's be honest, well, yeah, and okay. vice versa. I mean, Right, but your, your perspective, your understanding of that truth, it becomes extremely valuable to me. Because, again, I can't see in my blind spots. That's why they're blind spots. Right. And so those things that you see... <laughs> why don't you just know them? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, Life that's why we so call them easier. blind spots. But But that's the reason why... Marriage is about, you know, a man married to a woman, a woman married to a man, because God has structured us to have different perspectives, to different processes, to approach things differently in a way that allows us to actually to see things the other person cannot see. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point, you know, is, is I have to be unselfish in, in my value systems and perspectives. I have to be submissive in taking in what you have to give me. I mean, one of the things I've learned as I've grown older is it's a wise man who learns how to make use of his wife. And I use that language really intentionally to say, look, it's just almost a selfish mercenary thing for me to realize that my wife is going to have skills and perceptions and understandings and comprehension that I not only am not going to have, but I can't have and vice versa. That is how we learn to grow as individuals as people, and also to model integrity in relationships to others. Mm -hmm. So when I am trusting you to tell me the truth, and I'm trusting you to keep your promises, and you're trusting me to tell you the truth, and you're trusting me to keep promises, then I can hear what you have to say as being in my best interest, because that is the promise we've made to one another. Well, and just as a bizarre aside, I worked really briefly in a position. I was told by another worker there, she'd never known anyone personally been married for longer than 15 years. Right. She was in her early 30s or maybe 40s. I was the first person she'd ever personally talked to who'd been married for longer than a decade and a half. And yeah. wow, I just want to say, like, we need to train our kids to understand that marriage is really a sacrament, and that you don't get to the good stuff till way down the road. I mean, the good part of marriage really comes when you've not quit together, when you've plowed through the house fires, which, you know, we've had house fires, we've had deaths, we've had illness, we've had financial difficulties, we've had a lot of stuff, like everybody else. Yeah, well, Our life's I, not that unusual. Yeah, I think it's James, I believe, or is it Peter, who says, you know, do not be quick to escape tribulation and trial. 
let it have its time because in time it's going to have, it's going to pay off its benefit Mm -hmm. to the individual. I mean, there's a lot of trial and tribulation that I do not recommend to people, but I would say that trial and tribulation has that, Mm -hmm. that it forges our hearts in that furnace of tribulation. Mm -hmm. And that's what brings out both the gold, the purity, the metal. It's what allows us to be informed into what we are intended to be. It's what allows us to really come into what God intends for us. And so how do we convey that to our kids when the world is really screaming at them? Entitlement, ease, self-focus, the world's all about you. Social media really has some negative effects on our kids. I mean, read Glow Kids. We've talked about that before. There's just a lot of things coming out of our kids that haven't been in the world prior to the last 30 years. And so how do we as Christian parents really think about modeling integrity for our kids and really training them up in it because none of us wants to see our kids lost to a world that is just heartless and cruel in many ways. Without a doubt. I mean, first of all, the process we're talking about will convey a certain amount of that to kids, whether it communicates that above and beyond conveying that is a tougher thing to know. Mm -hmm. Because again, there's all these noise and voices, all this, this stuff shouting in their other ear and around us that may cause our voices to get lost in that. Again, we have our blind spots that cause those messages to get confused. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the one hand, first of all, it's this process of staying with it, as we said. Secondly, it's it's cultivating those kind of friendships and community that also model that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Christians have spent an awful lot of time and energy really breaking fellowship with other people over theological issues that have importance but may not have critical importance. Talk about doctrinal issues maybe for a minute. Well, right. I mean, I would say that some of those doctrinal issues people break fellowship over when really in the end of the day, it's started long before the doctrinal issue with relationship. Right. Is that there was not a care and concern to invest the time and actually have relationship. I mean, how many of us are going to churches where we're punching a clock and hurrying by people and yeah, we have these superficial handshake or whatever, how you doing, and then press on. And there really is not an investment by many people to do the work of engaging in actual relationship. I mean, you know, we've had a number of different cell groups and growth groups that people that that don't continue because people really are skittish about deepening and working those deeper relationships. They're intimidated by it. But the thing is, is that if you do not do that, then what you do is you don't have community, you don't have extended relationships, and all those values that you're trying to convey to your kids, they think is just your personal predilections and idiosyncrasies. You know, they think it's just you and your weirdness and all that, instead of understanding that this is an alternative way of living, and indeed, that's what the church is supposed to be. So where do we find those churches? Where do we find that community? I think a lot of people in the homeschool world thought that they were going to find that in not their doctrinal thing, but maybe in, in their educational doctrine or their educational pedagogy. They were going to find their little community and their little group. And just like in the church, in the homeschool world, we've seen leaders fall and pretty hard in the last 10 years or so. Where do we as conservative Christians looking to live lives of integrity, find community. I mean, we've struggled with that ourselves. Well, first and foremost, you don't look to some leader to be the ideal leader. First of all, you don't have a relationship with that person. If you don't have a relationship with a person, okay, they have good material, they have good things to say. I mean, all the people listening to the podcast, you don't know us. You haven't sit in our front living room. You don't You don't understand You know the, the realities that we deal with, and we don't know yours either. 
But the fact of the matter, so a lot of leaders and, and public figures are of that variety. They're just sort of, you know, images. They're not real relationships. It's important that people cultivate those real relationships, but understand Every time you cultivate those relationships, I guarantee you, sooner or later, you're going to hit trial. You're going to hit tribulation. Your ideals are going to get shattered. Your expectations are going to get disappointed. And that's when the rubber hits the road, is do you continue to walk the integrity and values that you say you walk? And and the fact of the matter is, very commonly, people, other people that you're trying to have a relationship won't be able to tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the day, that's okay. I mean, it doesn't feel okay. You don't experience that as okay. It'll be very, very painful. But in the larger analysis, what happens is that we begin to sort into those relationships with people who really do value that. And not uncommonly, it's people who don't necessarily agree with our doctrine, but in terms of how we understand our teaching, but in terms of how they behave, they build those relationships and integrity with us. And now in our disagreements over doctrine, in our differences over, over interpretations of Scripture and spirituality, now we can forge real relationships that begin to manifest Jesus through us to them. And they begin, we see that how God is working in their life to bring them to a deeper understanding with Jesus, perhaps, or if they're in that same Jesus place or in, in a better Jesus place, we grow in our relationship through that conflict, through those discussions, and through that deepening relationship. But they've got to be willing to stick with it. And we have to be willing to stay with integrity in those values that we understand are crucial. And you might find it in really unlikely places, well, as we have in some ways. If yeah, my my guess is if Jesus is involved, <laughs> you, you're you're probably going to find the unlikely. It, okay, yeah, go for the <laughs> unlikely. It's going to be bizarre at points. I mean, yeah. that's just what God does. I mean, God's ways are not our ways, and they're not kidding. I mean, God's they're not kidding. Yeah, yeah, when they when they say that, I mean, it's His ways are so not our ways. So look for community. Right. But the thing is, understand, if you're forming your community around people who are always like you and please you and that you feel good about, you're probably not going to grow much and you're probably not going to have much of a substantial community. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's fine for sort of a more superficial thing for a social group. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about a biblical community, there's going to be some hard work and there's going to be some trial and tribulation mm-hmm. if you're going to grow. Right. So look for a community. What's another way that we can really help our kids grow in their own personal development of integrity? Well, I think talk our walk and walk our talk mm-hmm. is, you know, one of the things that I, I did talk to the kids about growing up is when I asked them to do something, they talked about how difficult I said, is that something I would do? Okay. <laughs> Sadly, they would always go, yeah. Right. Well, and that ended an argument Thanks, pretty Dad. fast. That was like a set up, set up totally. Well, yeah. I'm the, but see, the thing is, I can't do that if I'm not careful to do that. Right. So it's that conversation didn't just start that day. That conversation started 18 months ago when I started looking at those issues in my life. You know, it's so it's it's really important that we talk our walk and walk our talk, but we do have to talk our walk, meaning we have to say what we're doing and why. Because there is so much that gets lost in in our parenting that our kids don't get because somehow we weren't clear enough at the right times consistently enough to really pound the point that this is what I'm doing. Again, we tend to lecture the child, but we don't give commentary of this is what I'm doing and why. This is who I right, am. Right, right. We often do forget that. We don't explain ourselves. Right. We're wrapping up again um, another conversation on integrity and children. And I just want to wrap this part up by saying, even if we do everything right as parents, 
Even if we do everything according to the book, their walk is their walk. They and own there's it. nothing we can do to make them believe or make them follow or make them be people of integrity that we have to be faithful to the time that we have them. Walk our walk with ways of integrity, pray, cover them with prayer, get them involved in community, and then at some point know that they're God's children first. Yeah, I mean, there's that old song from the 70s again. <laughs> there we you go. know, you've got to walk it by yourself. Right. I mean, you know, no one can walk it for you. So Your so, kids have to walk out their salvation with fear and trembling in the same way we do. And I just want to say that as a form of encouragement. I know there's a lot of parents who could be listening who might have kids who are not walking with integrity or not walking in the ways of the Lord. And so just... No, if you lived your life with as much integrity as you could, that's what you're responsible to. Well, that's our friend Pesach's distinction between ownership and leadership. Right. Is that early on, we own an awful lot in the lives of our children. Mm -hmm. As they grow, we release ownership and we move back from ownership to leadership. If we can make that transition early enough, then they can move from that ownership to leadership. And then we have more involvement in their life. If they perceive that we're taking more ownership or if we are exerting more ownership, then we lose our ability to engage in leadership because they, they feel like they got to push away. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's really crucial is that idea that their walk is their walk mm -hmm. in the end of the day. But you don't want to do it too early either. Right. You don't want to say that, gee, pick out your own you know, faith system when they're 10. So it's important to say this is the godly truth. This is what is important. This is vital. But your decisions are your decisions. You got to make your own. I'm letting you know what I see to be true, and I can tell you why. But at the end of the day, it's going to be your call in your life because I answer for me to a living God. You answer to you before a living God. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, David, again, thanks for being on podcast this week. We hope you've enjoyed this segment on integrity, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>